0: 18.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast
3: Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Ramon Vega to discuss his uh, illustrious Celtic career. Ramon, welcome to the show, how are you doing?
4: Very well, I hope you're well too.
3: Yeah, under the circumstances, it's great to to tie in with the ex-Celts and have a wee chat about the good old days but hopefully we can also talk about where Celtic are just now, Ramon. Do you get a chance to keep up with the developments at the club?
4: Very much, I'm very much, uh, obviously Celtic and is going to be uh forgotten especially personally because I got uh, a very good experience with Celtic and, and also the supporters at the fantastic. even was short but very very intense uh, and sweet in the same time so it's never going to be forgotten and that's why I'm very having a big eye especially now this season was a special season as well so I had to a- uh, good eye on it as well so uh, yeah
3: I'm definitely following Celtic Brilliant I mean see when I look back at your arrival at Celtic as I was saying to you earlier I think I've seen most of your games but um, when you look at the amount of silverware you got for the games you've played as you say it was a very sweet period in the Celtic uh, history but when you look back to your early career playing for grasshoppers making a name for yourself in Swiss football and you compare it now to the kind of standards of Swiss football in mind obviously with us having Albiana Yeti Um, where is Swiss football at the moment Ramon is it still a high standard
4: I think Swiss football is very high standard I think it's progressed since I think our kind of period from my time in the 90s I think that's what Swiss football really uh, had a huge impact with the overall Swiss uh, uh, football as such, because not just myself, there was Stefan Anchon in Liverpool, there was Stefan Champissart in Dortmund, really, really top, top, top players at that time, you know, and we had a fantastic national team as well, the Euro 96, uh, and so on. I think there was a the start of a huge successful period for the Swiss national team as well, as you can potentially see now the last 10, 15 years. Uh, the younger generation really improved massively, and the Swiss football has uh, I would say a very good high standard in terms of quality players. I'm not saying in terms of the league itself because that, that's a completely different conversation, but the players that produce use uh, from Switzerland has definitely the last 15-20 years improved, and it's, it's a high standard.
3: You mentioned her name, Chapuzza. Celtic fans will remember him well from his his time in Dortmund as well. What a striker he was. But um, obviously we have Albion Ayeti And just over the last couple of weeks, he's, he's come back into the side, Ramon. And we look at a player like him. Obviously you moved about yourself. You went from Switzerland to Italy before coming to Britain. Ayeti's uh, come in. He's a fairly young man. He's um, obviously moved from Switzerland to England and then up to Scotland. How difficult is it during these times for a player to come to a club like Celtic where perhaps his family are back home, he can't integrate with his teammates? It must be really difficult.
4: Well, I think it is very, very difficult. But, you know, when you go in the, in the journey as a football player, as a professional player, you have to uh, calculate the thing that that's going to happen in Korea. You know, uh, you've got, you're a professional player, it's going to happen if you want to be an international player on top of that, and not just playing in Switzerland, you will potentially most likely see that you're not not going to see your family for a while. was happened to me as well, and when I went to Italy or even to Britain, to the UK, at the beginning, it was very difficult as well, you know, it was a big change, you know, coming from Europe into the UK, especially London, the typical atmosphere, the language, all of that had a huge impact, but if you didn't have somebody next to you, it makes it even more difficult. But... It's also a good time for somebody to mature and, and be stronger mentally in terms of how to approach yourself. You've got to learn about you. have got to learn about yourself as well, you know. And I think it's, it's 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 also a good time. It's of course very difficult, but I think the players today, to my generation, uh, not biased too much, but I think they're softer compared to my generation. To be honest with you, because I think uh, they've been giving much more possibility than what we had at the time. We really needed to work our socks off to really even get to somewhere, especially from Switzerland, for us to uh, play abroad and play for Tottenham or even Celtic, leave alone, you know. It was a dream, but very difficult to get. But we made pretty much a foundation for all these players that come now through, like, like himself, you know. Everybody looks into the Swiss football, you know. So I think the, the, the generation we are in now, it's softer for certain but in the same time they also have a much better kind of platform to play football Mm
3: -hmm. I mean I've mentioned Ayeti and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit he's back in the Celtic side Um, I look at him as a player we've spent obviously a lot of money on Ramon do you think he is someone who will progress and we will see the true Albion Ayeti maybe next season or in the coming seasons
4: it's a good question to say. Um, it, it, it's a very big conflict. When you start to pay quite the big dollars like them, the expectation is very, very high. That's, that's just what it is, you know. From club's point of view, to spend that kind of level of money where, from my information, he went to West Ham, didn't play as much there either, to be honest with you, uh, it's a big price to be asked to not formed yet, you know. Uh, if he was just an you know, loan, and he improves and he actually proves himself to Celtic yes then there's no I'm not worried to pay the 5 million pounds you know for him or whatever the price it was at that time um, but now he will definitely has to prove himself now for the club because I think he didn't have that impact he's supposed to give, Celtic, but that's the hope I think the want wanted to have. He wanted to have a fighter power at the front, uh, not just on the national kind of games, but also the international one, the European games, you know. I don't think that really went well, uh, because I think it's a player where potentially the confidence were very low, but at the same time, I don't know, I'm not sure the fitness was on a standard high. It should be, it should be you know. So, that's all that together, uh, it takes six to months to one year to even to get into a uh, quality we're supposed to keep from him, you know, but we're not seeing anything over that. I'm not sure I hope for him because it's a fantastic club because our experience, very good experience there, you know, but he needs to know that if he plays for Celtic, he plays for a big club mm-hmm. and to improve himself as well.
3: Yeah. And, you know, similarly to yourself, he's gone to London first. And, you know, I look at your, your Twitter page, for example, Ramon, it's obvious that you've got a real fondness still for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, you look back fondly on your time there. But it's interesting for me that the, the team that you were part of, the League Cup winning side, 1999, you're up against Martin O'Neill's Leicester at that time. And in the midfield is Neil Lennon, of course. Um, I mean, how fond are you still of the Spurs yourself? You're still down in London, I guess.
4: Listen, I, it, it's very clear. As a player, when you play for nearly four and a half years, like Tottenham um, Hotspur's, it's a big club, it's a London club. It was pretty much my first club in Britain at the time. Uh, I had, you know, a growth, great experience with them as well. But at the same time, when you're winning a League Cup like that, even today, it's historical because not many Cups they won uh, since then, you know, when I was part of the 99 that you mentioned to. Of course uh, I, I I follow them and I still have uh, a lot of uh, communication with the with the club themselves, but at the same time, just talking about Celtic for me Celtic, even that six months I have that is a pretty much the same impact I had like four and a half years at first so mm-hmm. I look at both clubs for me uh, as my uh, as my favorite clubs to to not just to watch to look into it but also it is something I'm loyal to you know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when Martin O'Neill came to Celtic, Ramon, uh, we've seen a huge um, turnover, if you like, of players coming in, players going out. Um, He was transforming the club. And part of that transformation um, was in the shape of two guys who played in that cup final, Neil Lennon and then yourself. And you made your debuts uh, one game away from each other. How did you hear of that first interest from Martin O'Neill? What was your first impressions of Martin
4: well the first uh, first uh, call came just uh, before Christmas time I think at that time um there was an in, uh, an interest from Celtic Glasgow uh, of course my first instinct is wow, there's a big club there's no doubt. I don't even have to think twice um and of course it's between the clubs so we have to agree What I want to agree was my 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 mind was already pretty much saying yes if Celtic and Martin only wants me. Uh, I, I'm up there. Absolutely not No, even think about it, you know. And it took about a month or so to negotiate between the clubs uh, if, I, if, if, if I can be released, you know. And when I got the call from Martin Neal to, to meet me on top of that down at London, when it really was getting concrete uh, about my contract, uh, it was a maximum 30 minutes meeting and we knew instantly that that was my club straight away. I don't even have to think about it twice, you know. And I told the agent, get everything sorted out, whatever is needs to be done, because I like to play for this club, you know. And, and, and it was very quick. The rest was, uh, yeah, fabulous start. Uh, I can't even, even talking now today, I get goosebumps about it. You know, just that first game against Aberdeen, you know. Uh, just the support, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's uh, something you can't really repeat. You can't, you know, I'm very lucky that I actually had this experience as a player because uh, I always say to all my ex-international players or all the players I know around Europe, they so always ask the question, where do you most it enjoyed it enjoy it, you know? My first uh, club in mind is always Celtic. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's the club himself just gives you such a warm, enthusiastic uh, welcome where it's just like uh, uh, you, you just go into a very quick and That really had an impact on me as well. And... Uh, and scoring straight away two goals in the first uh, game, I think uh, you can't have a better start. To be honest to you, you, know.
3: Oh, great memories! I mean, every home game was a sixty thousand sellout. We were beating teams like Aberdeen six nothing in your debut, like you say, and you were surrounded. With players such as you know Henrik Larsson, Chris Sutton, Neil Lennon, I mean, when you look back to the likes of Larsson, who obviously had a, a massive impression on on the club, what did he do differently, Ramon? I know that you know he's got the the technique and he's got natural ability, but how did he apply himself differently, or was it all down to natural ability?
4: Well, I think it's a mixture of both. To be honest, you. I think Henrik Larsson, what what he has is he was a typical kind of. Uh, 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 striker he had the instinct he knew exactly when to run and when to run behind the, stri- uh, the defender you know for us as centre-half Joanne Albi in, in, in the back we were delighted to have somebody in front of us because every time we put the, front, the ball fr- uh, in front we actually could relax a little bit you know and have a breather and don't have to defend all the time because we know we have got Henry Glass in the front It's doing something you know but I think with the, the combination with Chris Sutton together it really helped a lot I think for Henry Glass's game as well because I think Chris Sutton was fantastic holding the ball in the front, he was a big fella as well and I think the combination between these two was fantastic, for us, as as the centre half, we had an option, you always knew whatever happens you always have a good look at Chris Sutton have a chip into him and you know then Henry Glasson just go around him you know, and that's, we scored many goals like that, you know, I think the natural instinct of Henry Glasson was really, really that kind of uh, uh uh special about him or even uh, defending him in the in the training grounds, you know, which was difficult because I remember I remember the first week I nearly injured him. <laughs> I thought, oh god, my career is already finished, Celtic, you know. But um it, it it was difficult because in one stage he you thought, you're marking, you, mark you haven't really under control, and suddenly he disappears silently. You know, it was not the kind of the screamer, uh, very quiet, silent, but he had the instinct. He was always there where where it's danger in the 80-yard spokes. And that's just a uh, fantastic talent. And he was great for Celtic. I think is without a doubt, a major legend there. Absolutely.
3: Oh, yeah. And we look back on that period as well, as a time when Martin O'Neill really galvanised the club. Ramon, he brought us the success that we so craved after a really poor season the year before. And I've, I've heard from some of your ex-teammates that he wasn't really a training ground manager. Is that Would you say that was the case? It was more John Robertson and Steve Walford?
4: Oh absolutely absolutely I, I can join my ex place as well I was for me I was very surprised because on the continent you got this very hands on coach on the ground doing the training sessions and everything and Steve Wolf and Robson, fantastic two assistant coach. I think that that, that makes also a big difference. It's, it depends who you have as your right hand man or two assistants. You know, Martin O'Neill really give full confidence and responsibility to these two, and these two really give also the kind of the attitude, the the kind of the team. Uh, spirit, you know, where you needed, And you can see uh, uh, Stephen Wolf and uh, We always joked and everything else, but the training system was tough and also entertaining. But Martin O'Neill, in this case, it was by Thursday, Friday, he was maybe coming into the training ground, watched us playing the five, five sides, whatever we played at the time, and that's it. And for me, it was a very big surprise. I had no clue on Saturday. Is he coming in now on Saturday or not? Or is he going to be on the stand, you know? So, Martin Uribe was really kind of not hands-on in terms of training. But when he was uh, on, the, on, on the match day, he was on there. That, mm. Then you can feel Martin Uribe was there. He was, uh, yeah, his passion. When it's, things really didn't go well, you can really hear him properly, you know. Uh, then you can see Martin Uribe was uh, hands-on on it. That's sure.
3: I've heard you speaking before Ramon about the, the expectation at a club like Celtic is to win every single game and even you know when you, you look down south some of the big clubs down there don't have the same level of the expectation and it turns into a crisis if you don't win every game I mean actually as a Celtic player you only lost two games and that was after the league was won I noticed that earlier on today so you were quite good at winning games at Celtic. Is that something that anybody actually speaks to you about or do you just know because of the standards around you that uh, defeat isn't a option
4: well I think more today than before when I was coming to Celtic because I think Celtic really done a fantastic uh, well I mean, last 10 15 years he was fantastic successful you know obviously the 10 in a row scenario was we were talking about it you know it's 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 a fantastic achievement you know from point point of view, you know? so now today the expectation is definitely higher because obviously When you build up a track record winning trophies with a big club like Celtic, the expectation from the fans and for everybody around wants to win every weekend. And also on top of that, now they want to play well. Because before, they were happy just to win the game. Now they want to win the game and also play unbelievable. So the expectation really, really got higher today than when we potentially played. For us, we just broke that time, that treble winning kind of year... Rangers was leading for eight, nine years at the time, and we came in and just won. That's it. We had a treble winning year, fantastic games. We played well. Everybody was happy. The support was over the moon. We were, we were also very happy as well. But now, 10 years, 15 years later, or 20 years later, the game has changed. Celtic has changed as well. It's more successful, or was also more successful in the past. So the expectation for any player that comes to the Celtic, to win in the win trophies, there's no doubt he has to know that. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, when you looked around your, your dressing room and the training pitch, and one of your teammates was Neil Lennon, who has gone on to manage the club on two different occasions, did you see some attributes within Neil Lennon, Ramon, where you thought he's, he's management material?
4: Yes, I think in the dressing room, what, what I, I see from that dressing room I was at the time, you've got Chris Sutton, you've got Lee Leland, Paul Lambert, who was also a manager, Jeremy Albino. We were characters. We were kind of really not little boys. We were characters. We were pretty much sometimes we were aggressive against each other when something's not happening on the pitch. And dressing room something at halftime. I'm not going to say it now here because I always have to start to swear. Because there was 15 minutes really flying shoes around in something like you know, especially Neil Lennon. All us, we were, we were characters. We wanted to win. We were winning from it. Neil Lennon could see already that time. He was really going that direction. He was already guiding kind of some of the players, especially some of the young players who were coming through with us as well. And for us as foreign players, we, we were there as well. We kind of... You know, listen to him as well. So you, you could see at that time, if I look back now, that he was going that direction, you know. And I'm actually, you know, uh, not surprised now that he was also very successful because I think he's done a fantastic job for Celtic, to be honest, you know. so But, you know, it's it's different games now, different year. But the, I think if you look back where he's done in the past, as a player and as a manager for Celtic, I think he's done a very good job.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah and I mean again I look back at the team that you were in Ramon what was it like off the park I mean was there a good camaraderie were you able to socialise away from the training pitch as well
4: Absolutely I I got to know Glasgow for certain (laughs) that's one thing you know I think it's I, I had some fun memories it's absolutely you know Chris Sutton just giving always jokes every day on the training set so, um, after the training we go for lunches or something like that we really kind of it was a camaraderie always together and i think that was also one of the cruciest part of success because it is key to success that you are not just a team member but also uh, you, you 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 are together you know you leave every day you train every day you're like a family in a way you know and mm-hmm once you, you got that spirit into it on the Saturday when something might not go well because it happened that's, that's football for you you know that sometimes maybe the first 30 minutes maybe one or two players right next to you do oh, no, it's not that day you can encourage them because you start to know them why potentially they have that issue today you know and, and that makes also a, a very successful team and I think that's 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 kind of the success we had in that treble-winning year because we had some absolutely fantastic characters, you know, really uh, made make the difference uh, in the dressing room, you know.
3: Definitely, and, and part of the success really was the domination over Rangers. I mean, a lot of players come to Celtic or come. To-
1: this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio spagnoletto global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
3: to Scottish football and that's the big one you want to play and you never lost against Rangers Ramon that's a record yeah, uh, that anyone would be pride. proud of I'm
4: very proud of that I'm <laughs> very very
3: proud of that you know so yeah absolutely how do you prepare for a game like that again you know tension is high uh, obviously you're playing to the packed crowds. it's a massive rivalry how do you prepare for that game
4: it's it's. listen if I compare now to the London derby like you know Spurs Arsenal you know, it's always a big Big derbies, you know, and I got used to that four and a half years playing that, you know, you're in, you're out. But when I came to Celtic, and it was my first kind of all-firm game, you know, everybody was talking about That it not how intense a week before, you know, the fans are already kind of full of emotion or even come down to the training ground. So until you don't have it, you don't experience yourself personally, you can't even imagine how intense actually that week before the game is? It was unbelievable. I never, I could not even describe it. I, was, I remember still in the old training ground just off the Celtic Park that we used to walk. That, that you know, it was about oh, about thousand fifteen hundred fans. They were already there just on, on, watching us first of all that, and then just walking back where everybody was there from from, from Ireland, from, from, from all around the world, people were coming to watch us. And for me, that was absolutely unbelievable. And I just, I don't and every day was more, more intense. You can hear that even Glasgow as a city was really on fire. You can see the divide between the Celtic and the Ranger supporters, you know. And and then I actually loved it. It's really that, that intensity of, of of before the game. And then on the game, Day, it was like I was like a little boy, shy nearly, because I never experienced such uh, passion, uh, uh, especially at the park. Uh, before coming out of the tunnel, coming out of the state into the stadium as a player, it was unbelievable. The intensity, the passion of the fans it- it is something you can't, can't forget. It's for me as a player, definitely without a doubt, one of the most. Uh, best experience I ever had is these old firm games. You can't, it's you can't describe it. You have to experience, and I think as a player, but also for people who never watched it as a, as a supporter or as a, any uh, old firm, you has to watch that because that's just a different, different ball game.
3: Different ball game. You liked a goal when you were up at Celtic Park, and um, you actually scored against Rangers, and it was disallowed. How disappointing! On your second game against Rangers, was that?
4: Very much, <laughs> very much. I was really, really hoping to score uh, against them because at that time Rangers, to be honest, was also a very good team. You know, at the time, and Amoroso, you know, but that's a fantastic team there. The De Boers, all of these guys, you know, have really top 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 players had. You know, um, and scoring against them, it will be going down to history again for me. You know, not. It, it was a shame. I was very disappointed. To be honest with you, when the day. Uh, i got a track record not losing against Rangers. For me, that's also a very, very, very good one.
3: I'm very happy, I, glad about it. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, Barrafield. Uh, you know, that's a historic uh, part of the Celtics um, story as well. As is the kit man when you were there, John Clark. I noticed that you tweeted out about John Clark the other day there. How important are guys like him and in the, in the great schemey things at Celtic Park? I
4: just, this is what I was trying to say. You know, I think when I came to Celtic, I, even. I've never trained with the players. I remember I've been in game uh, right on Friday afternoon or something like that to Glasgow. On Saturday, there was a game. I never thought in 100 million years I am going to play my first game. I never trained with the players. I don't even know all of the names to start with. Of course, some of their three or four guys, that's it. I say hello in the dinner at night. I thought next day, that's it. I'm going to sit on the bench, watch them, analyse them, etc. And then it's Martin O'Neill, two hours before the game, mentions my name. I was absolutely. First of all, I was afraid because I had no clue with who I'm dealing with, you know, and straight going to the cold cool, uh, cool water. But the minute I was announced as a team uh, member, all the other players immediately made you welcome straight away, and that just that more making welcome made me uh, less nervous to start with. I felt immediately I was there already for six months or more. And I think after the game, I showed it as well. I had always the confidence to play with them, like I played all the time. And then, of course, scoring two goals in my in my first game, uh, it was fantastic. It's, uh, it's a memory of the day. It's definitely something to to memorize. You know, again, the, with legends like John, they're very important. There's these these guys, not just from the experience point of view, the the humbleness of these people. You know these players. They're, you you know that top legends for Celtic. They've done a fantastic job for them. You know, they were humble. They were they were part of the team member. They were like a player to us. You know, uh, and uh, he was a great gentleman. On top of that, I I can't say anything wrong about that. I actually, I will miss if they're not will be there at Celtic. the honest ship because these these are legends. These are part of Celtic family. Uh, and it's for every single player who comes to Celtic, they have to embrace these players. And I think it should be more players that be part of Celtic, because that's what makes Celtic more special, make it family. And the players, the new players coming into, it has to feel like straight away, you're coming into a very, very strong family with passion and emotions, you know. And I think John and all these guys, they really show that to us. And that's what I experienced personally at the time, you know. And I think it's a, it's a very important element for Celtic to have people like that.
3: Oh, definitely, without a doubt, an absolute legend Now, we won the League Cup by beating Kilmarnock 3-0 uh, A Larson heart-trick, of course We wrapped up the League by beating St Mirren 1-0 And then the Scottish Cup final against Hibbs 3-0 26 appearances, Ramon Three trophies in 26 appearances An outstanding record But the time comes, obviously, after your loan deal um, Were you looking ahead to the following season Thinking you you uh, would would like a crack at the Champions League, perhaps?
4: Oh, absolutely. How how as a player at the time, Champions League even today. I think it's 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 one of the best you know, play, the place to be as a player. You know, um, first of all, I thought I give quite a lot for Celtic at the time. I played well for them. Uh, we won trophies. That's also very important. So In my mind, there was not even a doubt to stay at Celtic. There wasn't even a question, you know. It was like I was I was thinking I'm going to be part of that at least one year or two years or more, to be honest. In my time, I even remember the time, listen, sign me for, for life, I stay here because he's feel comfortable. Uh, I loved Glasgow at the time. I, I loved the whole environment. I loved Celtic at the time. And I, I, I thought I'm going to stay here. But never really pretty much came to even – to a conversation to potentially stay. And that was my biggest disappointment mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Because I, 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 at that time, thought, what did I done wrong to Do not deserve have another year or two years, you know? Yeah, they were saying, I went down to Watford because of the money. No, it wasn't because of money. wasn't, in, in, you know, Watford was not in the Premier League, it was in the second division at that time, you know? Uh, I think Celtic was way much more attractive for position because we can play at the Champions League and so on, you know. So I was expecting even at least sit down and have and a conversation, stay for one year, you know, with the option of another one, you know. At that time, I was also 30, 31. For me, it was always important security, how long are am going to stay, three to four years. Of course, I wanted to have three to four years so I can retire potentially at Celtic, you know. But none of this conversation happens. And that was very, very, disappointed. And then it came to the conclusion that I don't think it's going to happen here at Celtic. I was already June and July and the, the season, well, pre-season started uh, within days and I said, well, I need to start the pre-season somewhere else. If Celtic doesn't want me because they have first option because I'm, I'm there, I played with them mm-hmm. and I need a call and offer, then uh, I need to look forward. And that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, I needed to do that at the time. And then, and Watford came in at the time in Gianluca Yali. And, and really even waited a week later to sign, because I really was hoping Celtic wanted to, to sign me off, uh, sign me uh, at the club. But never happened. So for me, it was a very big disappointment.
3: Oh, definitely. When you look at your records, it's um, unarguable that you were, you were a big success at the club. 26 games, you only conceded 14 goals during that period. It was a domestic clean sweep, and you played alongside people like Valharan and Mialbi And a big thing this season, Ramon, has been the weaknesses within the central defensive areas at Celtic. Um, how key do you think that's been to our kind of capitulation this year?
4: Very much. Very much. I've been following out from the start and I think uh, that department was uh, without a doubt the weakest in terms of uh, uh, defending sign point of view, but also uh, in terms of characters within that defending department you know there's no you, you couldn't see a leader coming out of over the defence you know because sometimes that's where you need to have someone we at that time as you just mentioned we had some unbelievable defenders Johan you know, Mjolnir myself we were three at the back we were like uh, we understood each other, we, 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 we were talking to each other, we, we, were, we were leaders, in, independently to each other as such, you know. We didn't, don't see that today at, at Celtic. And that was definitely, without that one of the biggest. The other part is that, that the weaknesses was that kind of connection between the centre-half and the centre-midfield players. These two parts were also not really communicating very well during the whole season. And that that department has weakened the the salting. That's why they also conceded quite a lot of goals because of that. Because if that centre part, it's not really organised well and you don't have a very leading position there, then it's very difficult all the other positions to actually melt into that. That these these two positions, from my point of view, I think was very weak during the whole season. The centre half, or the middle, and the centre midfield players, and other these parts were very very weak.
3: Mm. There's, there's big changes afoot um, we've seen some of them being announced recently with regards to Peter Lowell uh, retiring at the end of the season there's talk about a director of football and perhaps even a change in manager now you know Neil Lennon pretty well having uh, been his teammate for six months do you think it's time for a change Ramon you came after a really disappointing season and the change was massive with Martin O'Neill do you think that's the kind of transformation Celtic need this time round? <laughs>
4: Listen, I think uh, first of all I have to congratulate the CEO uh, because I think he's done a tremendous job for the club for Celtic. Let's let's uh, be facts. Talk about facts. I think since he came in the, into Celtic as a, as a CEO, uh, Celtic was on a winning formula. Done a, a tremendous job for them. Uh, so I have to congratulate to him first of all because he's done a very, very, very good job of course this season I would say was a difficult one because a lot of things really came together and obviously the pandemics with the COVID-19 didn't help either uh, but at the same time I think I have to congratulate he's done a fantastic job for Celtic and I think uh, I wish him all the best for the future And uh, 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 after Celtic in the summer when personalities like the were leaving it's clear that there's always going to be a change within the club, of course, because whatever CEO is coming into it, he wants to have it his way, in a way, how to run the club. Of course, he will definitely uh, talk to the ex CEO whilst the transition period goes in place, but it's now where you're actually talking what you're going to do in the summer, of course, you know. You're not preparing this in June and July, you're preparing already now. We're actually before Christmas already, what are you going to do in the summer by players in terms of the management team and everything else. So from Neil Neil London's point of view, again, he's done a tremendous job for the club as a player and also as a manager. There's not many out there who stand for the same club, played for them and also managed those successfully. You know, he had definitely not the best season. as. We can't. We can't go around that. That's a certain. We don't have to uh, talk around it. He knows that himself. He knows that the season is not really going the direction we want to have it. Uh, it's up to him as well. Where is he? See, he has to look himself in the mirror and say, "Is this for me? It in the su- in the summer, or does he want to, the Celtic wants to tell to tell him that he has to leave?" Then there's a question about personalities. You know. If you as a manager feel that you still have something to get for salty, then you have to stay. And you have to prove it, of course. That's the only way to do it. But if you feel this is not my way anymore, this is not the direction it goes anymore, maybe the players doesn't act on me anymore. Mm-hmm. As a manager you have to be honest about yourself and say, I think this is that's it. I've done a fantastic job already. He can't he can go out of that club your heads up. There's no doubt. Whatever the season now, good or bad, I think from what he's done until now, he's done a very good job. So he could actually walk out with a very good track record with Celtic, you know. But again, uh, people only look at it, what you've done last month, unfortunately, in football. They don't look at what you've done 10, 15 years ago. You know, that's the thicker side of football, unfortunately, you know. But for him, it's a question himself has to answer themselves. is he prepared... To go further, is he ready to do something like that to stay at Celtic? And, and then there's the question of the management team. Do they, do they want to stay with Neil Nellon and go another season and say, OK, we can give him another chance because he's done a good job already until before this season, let's call it, OK? Or they say, we have to change it now and give him another chance to end the season and after that we, we're looking for a new manager. I think the new management team has to look very, very careful with that. Now, we have to look into the same thing. We've got also the economic crisis coming into it. The club has to look into that side as well. Do, do they're going to spend now heavily in the summer for new players because a new manager comes in? Because a new manager comes in, he, will have, he wants to have his players as well. So it's a conflict there in terms of how much you can spend, how well, you're going to manage for next season, but it has to be successful in the same time and competitive. And that's a very tricky way to look into it, you know. So maybe Milan is the cheapest version to stay, potentially, because he has already the players he wanted. He might continue with his playing, add some other players in the summer. Or maybe he's completely, say, well, we go to completely younger manager, even potentially cheaper, give him a chance to do him well at salting a big club like that, and then uh, and build up a team for the next two to three years. Because whatever manager new comes into it, it's not just a one year uh, game, it's a minimum two to three years a build up uh, a scenario of a team, of uh, as players, everything around him, you know. So it's 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 a question of the management team, how how far they want to go in the summer. Do they want to invest or they don't want to invest? Mm, absolutely. Now, if they can invest, there's other questions. It's not the only club in in the world who has uh, potentially financial uh, restrictions in terms of because, obviously, fans can't come in. There's less revenue stream coming into it. So, for that point of view, it's a big, big, big... The whole goes into it. So, you need to be very careful how you manage that club. And I think, until now, Celtic was managing it very well on that side. Extremely yeah. well. So... So we need, us as fans and as followers and supporters, we need to look at that side as well. We want to have Celtic still at the top, but we also don't want Celtic like what happened with Rangers, going, going bankrupt, you know? So we need to make sure that it's not going to happen that side. And so, You know, it's it's, it's it's a difficult task to do it, but it's definitely doable, because I think everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's trying to, to make sure the cheapest version to go into it, not just Celtic, any club in the world at this point now. So... That's a good thing is because everybody wants to do a uh, cheapest version the best way. Maybe now is a good time to have the best manager with a, not major salaries with the best players. I mean, those are not major salaries at this time of the period. That's no, a good to do
3: it, you know? Yeah, yeah. we're moving in. Out of difficult times, but some troubled waters ahead, I, I would feel. Ramon, what about yourself? What does the future hold for Ramon Vega?
4: Well, at this point, uh, the future holds I'm like yourself. We are pretty much. Uh, uh, I'm in football involved. That's 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 a fact. I'm not just advising federation, football federations around the globe, or football clubs as well, uh, especially on the sport interactive side, on the view and the CEO level. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely one of the direction. Uh, I would definitely look into it. I already have some options to potentially go involved in, in a football club as either as football director or or, or as a CEO because obviously I'm merging the two financial knowledge and the football uh, together from my past the last 20 years. So, yeah, this is something I'm actually uh, at the moment I'm in discussion with various uh, uh, clubs and federations as well at the same time. I'm on the advisory board of some of them already. Uh, so, yeah, listen, as I say, I'm always uh, uh, here to, to listen if something is interesting where I can see I can add value, first of all. So I have to see I can add value towards that club and and, and I can build something, you know. So once I see these two opponents, then uh, I definitely take it seriously and go for it, you know.
3: Well it's been an absolute pleasure Ramon speaking to a Celtic treble winner as you certainly were um, 20 years ago now and it's great to hear your tales and your memories of Celtic Football Club. All that's left for me to say is Ramon Vega thank you very much for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind.
4: Thank you very much and uh, good luck.
0: 18 plus.